0: Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of SDR Conversations, hosted by myself, Jasper Rivers, and Eric Miller. Every Friday we release a new episode where Eric and I have an organic conversation and discuss what's happening in the short-term rental industry and share what we're learning in our hosting businesses and through working with the thousands of students that go through our coaching programs. So, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations so you can free up your time and become the CEO of your business instead of the manager. And that allows you to focus on high-level tasks that really move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. And we do that by giving you the systems and teaching you how to build a team so you can actually delegate all those lower level tasks so for more information about legends x and how to join visit strlegends.com slash x that is strlegends.com slash x you are listening to an episode of str conversations of the get paid for your pad podcast hosted by jasper rivers and eric miller so let's dive in
1: For your pet. get paid for your pad for your
0: paid for your get paid for your What's up everybody. Welcome back to get paid for your pad. Today is Friday, so it's a episode of SCR conversations where I normally talk with Eric. But Eric couldn't make it today. So I have an amazing replacement, Mr. Anurag Verma, the co-founder and CEO, I think, of Price Labs, yeah. which is dynamic pricing software, of course, that we can use to maximize revenue from our Airbnb listing. So
1: Anurag, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jasper. Those are big shoes to fill. I hope I live up to it, but I will try my best. Hey, you know,
0: the, just putting the pressure on a little bit here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited to chat, man. I'm excited to yeah. chat. Like, well, obviously we're, we're coming to the end of the year. 2022 yeah. has been a very interesting year. We've seen, it, it was very, 2021 was a was a record year in, in a lot, not everywhere, but like in a lot of markets, especially in the US. Yeah. And so I'm curious to chat with you about what you were saying. I know, I know price lab is a lot of data. So you have a pretty good idea of what's happening in the markets. Yeah, we're going to do like an update on like what happens in two thousand twenty two, especially in the in the U.S. market, and what are some expectations for two thousand twenty three as well. So let me ask you this first before we dive into it: Are we are we completely post pandemic now, or are we still experiencing some aftershocks?
1: I, I think we are probably, if anything, we are seeing like second order shocks from it in that. I don't think any I guess China is still in lockdown but for the rest of the once in a while of course but for the rest of the world I I don't think we're seeing much happening on that front and even when it happens people are vaccinated and people have stopped caring about it in some ways I think yeah. at least in the US right now it's covid flu and RSV like all kinds of things floating around and people are like yeah what can you do yeah that that's the attitude yeah. when i say second order effects it's more like 2021 was blockbuster because of the pandemic, because 2022 was so far down. And so 2022, even if it was normal, would look bad. And so you can say that because of the pandemic, people might be feeling 2022 is bad, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. 2021, we saw a huge rebound in in many markets, especially like the drive to destinations, the traditional vacation rental destinations. As you mentioned, in Asia in Asia things are still there's still some some challenges like I actually have a unit in Thailand and in the Philippines and those units are still not performing at the level of where they should be so but yeah two thousand twenty one was was a huge year in most markets in the in the u s so two thousand twenty two I think it was I would say it was a good year but it wasn't yeah if you compare it to two thousand twenty one yeah. um yeah what what is the data showing like is it was yeah. it was it a lot less than 2021 or, or kind
1: of on par? Yeah. So in, in terms of market data, and, and the data has been showing different things for different places, just partly because of how 2021 was in different places, right? So Australia, for example, September and October in 2021 were seriously seeing COVID effects. So like they were very far down, not so much this year. A lot of Europe was still very cautious in 2021 so when you look at a lot of european cities they are our markets they are actually ahead of 2021 and 2022 if you look at us there are again two parts to it there is the destinations which were off cities like more vacation kind of destinations or not even vacation like people lake houses beaches uh, mountain homes and like smoky mountains for example like that that entire region like saw a big big boom and it was a lot of times driven by people working remote school being in in many cases still remote 2022, like a lot of that just spent like, even if people could work remotely, which I mean, I do a lot of people I know work remotely, but their kids still have to go to school. So you can't just like ship to somewhere else and, and live there. <laughs> so a lot of that demand has sort of reduced a lot. So we are seeing cities, in US, big cities in the US actually perform better than 2021, but more of the destinations outside of cities have, have become a little worse. They, they're f- still better than what they used to be like three years back, but then our pre-pandemic, but they compared to 2021, a lot of people got into short-term rentals in 2021. So to them, it might be seeming like, what just happened? Like, why is this so bad? But But this yeah. is this
0: is not yeah right yeah well that's that's the that's the thing like that's what we see in our markets in, in Ottawa like the the amount of airbnbs in our market has has yeah. grown a lot you know yeah. in, in in 2021 2022 so i think that's what a lot of people are seeing in in yeah. similar type of markets like the, the you know like the really the traditional vacation rental markets the kind of drive to destinations in nature as you mentioned beaches mountains there's, yeah, a lot of supply hit the market. And so that has put some yeah. pressure on occupancy and ADRs. What I see in our student groups, the markets that I feel like have performed the best in 2022 are actually the secondary cities, you know, cities like Kansas yeah. or Nashville, like those type of cities. Is that
1: something you see as well? I actually, when I looked at it, it almost seemed that the really big cities saw a bump compared to 2021 mostly because the really big cities a lot of times driven by business travel as well and business travel wasn't happening much in 2021 and then it bounced back in 2022 at least when i looked at it the tier two cities i don't know i should call them tier two but like i looked at for example columbus nashville like a lot of cities like that i I felt actually went down a little bit Mm i didn't look at kansas city so like i would want to see like i i looked at cities which are tier two but also still very much you know like touristy i don't know if i don't think kansas city is as touristy as nashville is so like i would want to see like hey maybe business right business travel is is propping it up or, or something like that
0: yeah yeah um, i mean what i you know i didn't i, I don't look at the like you have all the data right and I'm, I'm just hearing yeah. anecdotal yeah, yeah, stories yeah. from students
1: right so so that's hear, yeah. If you have enough <laughs> anecdotal stories, now you have data.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So that's interesting. So the bigger cities, yeah. like we're talking New York, Los Angeles, yeah. like those cities, have performed yeah. relatively well in 2022. But that's mostly because 2021; those are the, the markets that didn't recover as quickly, yeah. right? So that yeah. Yeah. that makes sense. So as a whole, 2022 versus, versus 2021, did we see? If we take the whole of the U.S., did we see a drop, was it constant, or
1: did we see some growth? I did not see the numbers for the U.S. as a whole, but from whatever I've been hearing, the general occupancy has come down a little bit compared Mm -hmm. to 2021. And that still doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just that, I mean, it's, it has, it had to come down. And anytime occupancy comes down, Revpar generally tends to also come down because people then adjust their rates down compared to what they would have if occupancy had yeah. stayed strong. For example, one thing I did notice when I was looking at a lot of data was, and this was I actually looked at worldwide, is length of stay continued to f- fall down. Like 2020 was sort of peak of long length stay length. 2021 saw a dip, and then 2022 again saw a dip. So like. Pointing back to the same thing that people who were transplanting themselves to a different city and go work from there and do school from there for a month or two months, they are potentially not doing it as much anymore.
0: Right. Because the kids have to go to school, so they yeah. they don't have that flexibility that they had in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, can you explain what ref bar means just for the people that aren't familiar yeah. with that
1: term. yeah. So ref bar is very so anytime you think about if you only have one property let's say rev par the definition is revenue per available for us it's a rental and rental night you can almost say so suppose you have 30 days in november and you made 900 just as an example in rental revenue that that month your rev par is 900 by 30 which is 30. if you made in that month. Your RFR is 1,800 by 30, which is 60. So it seems like a very straightforward calculation. Why should I worry about this? The reason to worry about it is twofold. One, there are times, especially in our industry, when out of those 30 nights in November, maybe for some reason, you're not able to sell five nights. Let's say you had... or, Or 10 nights. Let's say you had some maintenance work going on. You only had 20 nights to sell. And you say you made 1800 bucks in those 20 nights. That means your repar was not 60, it was 90. So in, in terms of performance, you would say this property performed really well, given that there were only 20 nights available to be sold. So it helps to sort of benchmark different properties because not everything is available all 30 days to sell in a month. Yeah. So one is that right. second one, As you scale, this becomes even more important because a lot of times the way to measure performance is looking at year over year. Like There is so much seasonality. It's not right to compare November to October, but it is okay to compare November to last November. And say last November, you were managing five units and you made 10,000 bucks in in November. And this year you were managing 10 units and you made 18,000 bucks. How do you compare, if you look at revenue, mm-hmm. of course you did great. Like you, you, you bumped up by 80%, but from a pricing and revenue management perspective, it would say that per unit per night, you actually dropped. So if you theory looked at per unit earlier, you were making 2000, this time you made 1800, so, so your yeah, performance dropped, but then maybe there is more to it, maybe this year, a lot of maintenance was going on. So units were not available. And so you should account for that. So this is where RevPAR becomes helpful to say being able to compare on a night that could have been booked, how much did I make? So it's helpful to always have that as as a metric because a lot of times you think of occupancy as a metric or ADR as a metric, and the multiplication of those two is is what really yeah matters.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So RevPAR, so revenue per available room. Is really like the metric that's being used the most, I would say, like in, in the hotel industry too, right? To compare apples to apples. Cause as you mentioned, like, yeah, we can look at revenue, but then let's say we, we have an owner stay, you know, we stay at our own unit for, for two weeks or something during a certain month. And it's like, oh yeah, the revenue went down, but actually the ref bar might actually have gone up. Still happening up. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, so for everybody out there who wants to really like analyze the numbers, that's probably the best number to look at right
1: yeah exactly and uh this is again it, it's something that came out of the hotels and which is why most commonly people say rev bar and and you said per room which is because it, in hotels you have rooms for vacation rental industry a lot of people call it rev pan per available night so you might have a two bedroom one bedroom doesn't doesn't matter if as long as you're comparing two bedrooms to other two bedrooms here over here You look at per available night how much did you make yeah Yeah. it's it's a fairly standard thing in the industry especially if you talk to people who are more into pricing and revenue management to say okay this is this is the right way to to think about it
0: yeah if you're talking to somebody and kind of want to impress them and you know ref bar is a cool
1: thing to throw out it's cool and it might seem complicated when we are discussing it like that but if you sit down and Try to calculate it for your own rentals. It's it's not really that complicated, a thing. It it sounds cool. It is pretty simple and it has a lot of insights. So, like generally highly recommend at least keeping track of it. So, like pretty much any any pricing or revenue management service that that you can use probably has that functionality for free where you can see your own Rev bar month over month and things like that. So you don't even have to calculate it. You you can just sign up with one of the services and and we'll show you those kind of dashboards to say, hey, this is what you're performing at. Yeah.
0: So one one thing that this year, Airbnb came up with a important update. Right. It was last month, I think it was. And one of the updates is the pricing, right? It's like how they're going to show the total Price on the Airbnb listing when you search for a property versus the nightly price. Do you yeah. think that has a big impact on how people search and how
1: does it affect how we should be pricing our units? I don't think it should be affecting how you price your units per se. Overall, it, it's a positive thing, right? Like you have a lot of experience with Europe. So mm-hmm. you probably know this has been in Europe for the longest time. I think European law requires that, you know, everything shown be, in, be shown in the price. Like there should not be, even if you go to the grocery stores there, like if you see $2, you pay $2. You don't pay $2 in and, and tax, right? So the change was essentially because people were complaining a lot about, hey, I see the property is 200 bucks a night. I want to make a booking for two nights, I'm expecting to pay 400, and then there's a cleaning fee of 300, and and suddenly it becomes 350. If I had been told that it's going to be 350, I would not have looked at that property because that's far out of my budget, right? And so the earlier system was something that you could gain as a host to where you had a high cleaning fee and and low rate, so you show up cheap on the search page, you get somebody to go there, and then they get a sticker shock the hope when you do this gaming is that whoever lands on your page falls in love with your place after seeing the pictures but that is that is hope right and maybe there is some amount of that happening but in a lot of cases it was just dissatisfaction mm-hmm. from guests right people were not booking yeah. places and now it's it's a lot more transparent to say like okay i'm seeing 350 and then there is another property that also had the same nightly rate and is charging a lower cleaning fee so like i can see right there i don't care whether it's going to cleaning fee or nightly rate as a guest, all I care about is how much do I have to do I have to yeah. pay, right? Yeah, yeah, um, no, totally. In in terms of pricing, what it does is earlier I know some folks who would use cleaning fee as a way to incentivize longer stays. So what they would do is they would keep their rates lower and cleaning fee high to say, look, really, I don't want a one-night stay if you want a one night stay, it's 500 bucks because 200 nightly rate plus 300 of a cleaning fee. But if you're staying for a week or 10 days, then that 300 cleaning fee divided by 10 is like 30 per day, a lot more palatable, right? So people were essentially using, some people were using cleaning fee as, as not the true fee that gets paid out to the cleaners, but more as a way to say, I want to incentivize. And if that's your use case, this is actually still okay. You're you're still not giving anybody sticker shock. You're not trying to say it's 200 and then make it 500. When they search for one, they'll see 500, and mm-hmm. if nothing else is available, they'll be like, "Sure, this is all. this is what I get. I'll I'll take it." It's serving your purpose while still not being dishonest. So like I, I yeah. feel it's okay. Like
0: yeah, that strategy is probably going to be more effective now. Yeah. Right because exactly. like yeah because people can see the total price so you're probably not going to get those those one night stays yeah. versus like before and you might have some people who see the 200 nightly rate and they check it out yeah. and they end up still booking it so i think it's an improvement yeah. i think it makes the platform more guests more friendly user-friendly which in the end of the day is good for us right more people on the platform means more guests and also so i think it's i think it's a good thing do you think that uh, anything changes with the with the algorithm the airbnb search algorithm
1: i from what i have read so far they are going to make sure like they're going to rank properties that are priced better as a whole higher which makes sense also like even if the airbnb's default algorithm doesn't change once you set the filters and you say sort by price it's going to sort by total price and not based on the nightly price right which yeah. all of which sort of makes sense yeah yeah like of course things will change of course some folks are going to drop in rankings because of that but then in the long run you'll be able to make adjustments to it to say okay what do i truly care about the total amount that i get and cleaning fee honestly in in most cases it makes sense to just have it as a pass on to the cleaners right like so eventually incentives and advertising and everything else should be so that fees just go directly to the cleaners and like as much as i mean we can do or any any marketplace can do in making that simplified and less gameable it's a good good change yeah
0: yeah no i agree i mean i don't see a reason not to to charge a different cleaning fee than what we're actually paying the cleaners I think yeah. that makes the most sense and i like the fact that you can't game the system anymore now or you put yeah. a big cleaning fee just to get more visibility for your listing that trick is just not working anymore yeah. so it becomes a it becomes a fairer game
1: in, and, my, in my opinion yeah and to if the purpose was to say let's i don't want one night stays and so let, let me do it by having a big cleaning fee i think the airbnb also has settings now that say if it's a one night stay, I want to bump up the price by 50% or something like that, right? So yeah. there are other tools available to do those kinds of things without needing to say, you know, planning fee is a lever I want to use To yeah. it, Its purpose is not, not to change revenue <laughs> management strategy. It should just be a fee. Agreed.
0: Let's talk a little bit about 2023, right? Everybody, yeah. everyone's curious about 2023, right? There's a lot of talk about you know inflation and is there a recession coming and you know some house are concerned that 2023 is is not going to be a great year. Like, yeah. can we? Is there anything in the data? Like, because we already see obviously the bookings are already coming in for 2023. What yeah. what can we say about like the
1: pace of the bookings so far? Yeah. So I want to go one level further out for 2023 for any year. The biggest season or the biggest time to travel is summer in in most of the Northern hemisphere, unless you are a ski location. And what we generally see is people hold on till January starts to start booking for the summer. This is like, of course, some people are booking right now, but January first week is when you see the avalanche like really show up. And I, I don't know what this is. I used to be at United Airlines and it was the same thing there, like it's people know their budgets for different things if you're in a business traveler you know your budget's a little better you know your schedule a little better if you're traveling for leisure then right now you're all you're doing is looking forward to like christmas and new year holidays and that's when you sit with your family and say okay what should we do for summer and, and then when you go back and then then you book right so right now very minimal booking activity happens for next summer, and. In that minimal booking activity at least right now we are seeing that for the next summer we are pacing behind what we saw in 2022 so like at this time last year if we were talking in december 2021 we would we were seeing maybe three percent five percent ten percent occupancy in a certain market right now in the same markets we are seeing like one percent three percent five percent occupancy so like people generally are are saying I don't know what's going to happen, how the how the economy is going to shape up. So I'm going to hold off. And this is true anytime there is uncertainty, like during COVID times when there was uncertainty in like, is there going to be lockdown or or are things going to be fine in two months? Nobody knew. So what what would you do? You basically said, I'm not going to book till I till I absolutely not absolutely, but with some certainty, I, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, and so we saw a ton of last-minute bookings. So my, our advice generally to everybody has been: make pricing adjustments. For example, for the next month or two months, don't just because you are used to getting bookings six months out for summer, and you didn't get it this time, don't start dropping your rates just yet. Uh, yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah, because because those. Those bookings may still come, right? Yeah. If everyone's hold, kind of holding off because people are yeah. worried about, you know, the recession, yeah. inflation, and I actually yeah. saw inflation. Inflation numbers seem to be on the on the downward trend Downboard. right now, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's very possible that a few months into twenty twenty three, you know, it kind of goes away as a topic, and then people suddenly yeah. get more confidence, yeah. and they everyone starts yeah. booking again. So interesting. So right now we're we're pacing a little bit behind, but you know, nothing nothing too crazy. As you mentioned, don't nothing panic. Too, don't, yeah, don't, start, don't start lowering your prices quite yet. Cause you yes. might miss out on, on revenue then.
1: And and nothing too crazy. I would want to give an answer in after the first two weeks of January have gone by because that's that's where the volume starts showing up and we'll be yeah. able to say that okay, is, is the volume showing up this year or not? And again. If it doesn't, that doesn't mean that, you know, you go crazy and and drop rates a lot. It just means that maybe you can make a few tweaks here and there. It's always, you're always hedging, right? So like there is one world in which the economy, like there is a recession and there's one world where things stay fine. And right now, so few people are booking that you, even if it's slower, you don't need to go drop your rates. As it gets closer by the time it's March, and now maybe you say, hey, the, the chances of if, if it is still slow by March, you think the chances of it being softer are, are getting higher and higher. So maybe I should see if I can get some bookings instead of you know, holding off the my high rate. Uh, yeah. So, like this far out, uh, no need to panic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Are you seeing any big differences between Europe and the US when it comes to? What happened in 2022, but also what we're seeing with the pacing for 2023?
1: Yeah. 2022, I can I, I can give an answer of like big differences. I think I, I hinted on it earlier as well, but Europe in 2021 had not like, you know, at least the first half of 2021, Europe was still very much in like COVID mode. Like people were not traveling freely and, and things like that. And then the second half recovered after that, but 2022 really like 2022 summers was, and even 2022, I was looking at November and December, stronger than, stronger than last year, than 2021. US was much quicker in opening up after COVID. So like everything is sort of running a little ahead of its time in the US. So like 2021 was a big year and, and now it's normal, so it's possible that Europe sees that kind of a thing where like okay 2021 was slow 2020 was better and maybe 2023 will will be a little slower compared to that just because 2022 was was stronger right i haven't looked at pacing specifically for europe most of the pacing information i saw was for us i can of course look at it and and send it over if if that helps
0: yeah for sure yeah Yeah. and i know Price Labs has a market report functionality yeah. Yeah. that people can use for
1: free, no? So there are two products on the reporting side. There is a product where you can see your own data and metrics and pacing. And so you can see your own portfolio to say, how am I pacing for 2023 compared to 2022? And that one is for free. All you do is connect your, connect your properties to Pricelabs. We charge for dynamic pricing, but if you don't turn on dynamic pricing, you can still access all the internal reporting that you want to, essentially. Mm. The market dashboards, are, depending on the market, are either $10 a month or $20 a month. You get the first month free when you connect your properties. So if you don't connect your properties, you have to pay $10 or $20 per month, and you can turn it on or off as, as needed. But if you connect a property, even one property, we basically say, hey, even if you're not using dynamic pricing, go look at this market data. Yeah. The other cool thing, yeah, even if you're not using dynamic pricing, in the dynamic pricing product itself, we only charge if you turn on the sync switch, which basically says, I want price apps to update rates. If you don't turn it on, you can still access all the market neighborhood data for that property for free. So mm. it's no charge. So you can see how summer is booking up and, and things like that for free anytime. The market dashboards are more like, I don't have a property. I still want to look at the data. You can go ahead and do that. But if you have a property, you can anytime look at market data for free.
0: That's awesome, man. Is that yeah. your your gift to the short-term rental industry?
1: Sure, yeah. Actually, <laughs> this, the pacing stuff that I talked about is something that rolled out earlier this month. So till now, we would show how is the future looking occupancy rate for your different properties and you could do comparisons year over year but you couldn't do the pacing comparison so like this one that we talked about like right now say july is far away but say it's 5% booked that is helpful but that doesn't tell me how is it compared to last year because last year i know eventually it was 90% booked but how was july last year in december the year before like was it 5% was it 10% if it was 10% then i know this July is being a little slower right now. So we added that layer on top earlier this month. So, and that's available for free as well. So like if you connect to properties, you can get a lot of these analytics for, for your portfolio. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Are you guys planning to launch anything major in 2023?
1: Yeah. So 2023, we have two or three, one significant improvements to our pricing algorithm itself. So like, accounting for a lot more information than we do today. And that's been possible because of a lot of infrastructure changes we've made. In terms of data products, the the rollout that we did earlier this month about pacing, there's a lot more of that coming across the product. So like we are also rolling out a few free tools for people to be able to answer broader questions like, Hey, how is the. How is the entire short-term rental industry in the U.S. doing? How is it facing? So we are rolling it out as a free tool because it's a free tool that you don't even have to create a login for to say, if you want to find out how uh, is summer in my state, and it will be at a state level. I think if you want to get down at a city or a micro market level, then you create an account and look at it. But we want to create these tools to, to be available so that anybody can come and see how is your overall market feeling, essentially. Awesome. Uh-huh.
0: Sweet Well, I appreciate you coming on and giving us some updates here and you know sharing some some data. Yeah. Obviously, we all hope that 2023 is gonna be a managing year for shorter rentals. Yeah. Pretty positive. I, I feel like you know there's always like ups and downs, but as a general trend, I feel like yeah. the short-term rental industry we're still moving. The trend is still our friend, you know.
1: I think exactly. so. It's it's growing so much, it has grown so much from pre pandemic, like a lot of things that people talked about during the pandemic, right? These were speculations at this point that because people don't want to stay in hotels, people will come to short-term rentals. And a lot of people have their first short-term rental stay after COVID. All of that is is still true. Like it's generally, even though we think 2022 is a softer year, it's still beating 2019, which Mm -hmm. even with all the supply growth that we have seen and uncertainty in the financial markets and things like that. Yeah. The, the tailwind is still with behind us. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else you want to share before we wrap it up? Yeah. I see two books on the shelf behind you, and I want to make sure that a third one gets added up there very soon. <laughs> so this is a book a bunch of us co-authored, and it's essentially trying to it's about direct bookings. So we have spoken a lot about Airbnb in this call and how your ranking can change on Airbnb, depending on algorithms and things like that. So the thought is that Airbnb verbo booking.com, these are all very important channels. This is how guests find you. But in addition to create some amount of independence, it's also important to have your own direct booking channels. And of course, you don't have if if I create a website and say here come book a direct stay with me, there are a few downsides right. One is how do I get anybody to come to my website? Like people know about Airbnb, people don't know about Anurag's home on Lake Michigan, right? Like how do they come to my website and and book it here? Second is even if they get to the website, how do they then know that this is legit? Airbnb has reviews, Virgo has reviews, Booking.com has reviews, there's a system going on. So there is a place for all the OTS, but then this is about, okay, how do I make those two things happen? And then once somebody has established some trust in this, making sure that from a pricing perspective and profitability perspective, it makes sense. So our chapter is about that to say, once you have like a lot of other chapters are about how to get people to come to your website how to how to get them to trust your website and then our chapter is about how do you price it you know keep prices in sync with the otas and how to make sure you're still running it profitably and you're not giving away it shouldn't be that you do this and you're making less money that you would have by doing it directly with airbnb or Yeah, right so like those Mm -hmm. kinds of things yeah 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 i noticed that like you know, a lot of
0: people charge a little bit less on the direct booking website and they use that yeah. as a giving people an incentive to to yeah. book direct versus through one of the OTAs. I've noticed that we get questions sometimes from our guests, you yeah. know, on Airbnb, they book with us and then yeah. you know they find our website and then they're like, Hey, yeah. I noticed on your website. Yeah. The the price is different. Yeah. But it's often confusing because we use a pricing algorithm as well, right? So, like, okay. the prices change anyway every single yeah. day. So, so it's yeah. hard to explain that to the guests. Where I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, the the price dep- depends depends yeah. on the day, and it, it changes every day. And yeah. you know, from the guest perspective, the guest just thinks, oh, you know, yeah. w- one property has one price, right? Yeah, and then exactly. they they get confused yeah. about it sometimes. So sometimes I'm I'm struggling like how how am I going to explain this, right? Yeah, you know, without the guests thinking like, Oh, I'm getting a bad deal or something.
1: And honestly, there's, there is one thing to say, uh, suppose an OTA charges 15% commissions. You can say, I can have my prices to be 15% lower because nobody sends me a commission. But you also have to think about to maintain this website, to, to have a separate workflow when somebody books for the website, it is effort. It's, it's not costless. So you shouldn't like give that commission away, like think of it as An expense as well. That it's it's a website. The website is not for free. You're still paying some something somewhere.
0: Yeah, Um, marketing expenses before, for example. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with all of that, it's important to like have all of these considerations. So like, yeah, I would self-promote myself and say, shameless plug. Yes, shameless plug. (laughs) It's on Amazon. So yeah, if anybody wants to take a look, awesome. All right man. well thanks for jumping yeah. on
0: here and I'm sure we'll connect again in 2023
1: at some point. Yeah and yeah I'll be happy to send over some of those data tools that, that we are building so that we can a lot of questions you asked will be very easily answerable by anybody if, if they look at those. Awesome yeah, I'll be sure yeah to if, you, if
0: you send those yeah. over and then I'll sh- yeah. I'll share I'll share it in a few weeks in January in the new year sounds good yeah that's when the bookings start happening
1: anyways
0: yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah. All right, Anurag, thanks so much okay. and to the listeners okay. thank you for listening of course we'll be back on monday with another episode of get paid for your pad enjoy the holidays and we'll talk to you soon thank you so much for listening to get paid for your pad the number one podcast for airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals we really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to learn more about air hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpet.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpet.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on apple podcast or wherever you're listening for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy which is our starter course for anybody who wants to start hosting on airbnb so every month we select one reviewer at random and give that person access to the course so thank you for listening check back every monday for a new episode of the host show and every friday for an episode of str conversations of the get paid for your pad podcast thank you and see you soon Yeah.